Hey guys, so today I want to talk to you about a company called Lexicon Branding. I'd like to preface this episode by saying that I am no way affiliated with Lexicon. I just consider them a very cool, interesting, and unique company, and I believe they deserve recognition in every sense of the word. I believe they are the best in the world at what they do, and I intend to prove that to you guys in this episode. I got all the information for this episode from Lexicon's website as well as its Wikipedia article. So Lexicon was founded in 1982 by David Plasek. David Plasek, while still being the CEO of the company, doesn't have his own Wikipedia article, so I'm unable to provide too much information on him, but here is some. So he's from Santa Rosa, California, and before founding Lexicon, he worked as press secretary for Warren Hernis's unsuccessful 1976 bid for the U.S. Senate. After that, he worked for a few advertising agencies before founding his own marketing company, Lexicon Branding. So Lexicon Branding is in the business of creating brands. In other words, people hire them to name their products. They are paid to name things. So I'm going to go through a few interesting cases of their branding machine at work, as well as list success stories of their most commonly known brands. In 1992, while Lexicon only had eight employees, Intel hired them to come up with a name for its new fifth generation x86 compatible microchip. Andy Grove, Intel's CEO at the time, knew that they couldn't trademark numbers and that Intel's most important competitors were copying their technology and branding. Intel wanted a name they could own and protect. So in comes Lexicon. Lexicon suggested that it should end with the suffix EUM, suggesting a key component of a computer, a, chem a chemical element, and to invoke feelings of premium in the customer's mind. The prefix PENT was a call to this being Intel's fifth generation of chips and probably to invoke feelings of stability and security of the Pentagon. They arrived at these conclusions through internal research as well as lots of focus group testing of their various ideas. Their focus group questions would go something like this. Which of the following would you expect to be the highest end car? Porsche Chromium, Porsche Pentium, Porsche Execium, or Porsche Privium? So the results of questions like these overwhelmingly suggested that Pentium was the name to choose, and Pentium chips went on to be a smashing success. So much so that Intel named its successors the Pentium 2 and Pentium 3 and so on. According to research performed in the US and Europe showed that the word Pentium fired up the imagination of consumers regardless of what context the brand was put into. Pentium snow skis or Pentium mountain bikes all suggested advanced performance and speed. Years later, Playsix said Pentium was the best name his company had ever come up with. Andy Grove admitted that Pentium had become a more recognized brand than Intel itself, which was the first but not last instance of this brand recognition leapfrogging of Lexicon's branding. In 1998, so Lexicon has 15 employees at this point, Intel hires Lexicon again to name its Celeron and Xeon chips. The San Jose Mercury News described Lexicon's reasoning as Celer is Latin for Swift as in accelerate, and on as in turned on. Celeron is seven letters and three syllables like Pentium. The cell of Celeron rhymes with tell of Intel. 
The San Francisco Chronicle reported that the X of Xeon evokes the next generation. Eon refers to a long period of time, and the novelty of the name as a whole reflects the, prov reflects the product's novelty, which was supposed to recall Pentium's Greek roots. That same year, Research in Motion, or RIM, hired Lexicon to name the new two-way pager. RIM approached Lexicon with a few of their own ideas. So I'm about to read their ideas, RIM's ideas, and consider if RIM had gone with one of these, a product of tech-oriented minds, rather than Lexicon's, a product of marketing-oriented minds. So RIM's ideas were EasyMail, MegaMail, and ProMail. All three are one word, respectively, with Camel Case, which was very popular at the time. So again, Lexicon worked its research magic. They determined that the name referring to email would induce stress in users. Lexicon also performed linguistic studies suggesting that letter B is one of the most reliable and relaxed in any language. Lexicon encouraged RIM to select a name that would be cooler than any of, its, any of their suggestions and original enough that, so that no competitor could copy it. So that same year, Lexicon came to RIM with BlackBerry, with both B's capitalized. After some initial hesitation on RIM's part, they ended up going with the name, and what a smash hit the BlackBerry was. Some of you may be too young to remember this, but for years before the rise of the iPhone, and even well into its rise, BlackBerry were THE phone to have, and were perhaps the first iteration of what could accurately be referred to as smartphones. So RIM's stock skyrocket, skyrocketed during this time, but years later plunged in one of the largest tech collapses in history. The reasons for this are numerous, but are outside the scope of this episode, but what can be said for sure is that it was not due to Lexicon's branding. In 2013, in a perhaps misguided attempt to rise from the ashes, RIM changed the name of the whole company to BlackBerry. I personally see this as a bad play, because by this point, the BlackBerry brand had fallen from the grace it previously enjoyed. Also, I find it peculiar that the main game that came with Blackberries at the time took the double B theme further, calling it Brick Breaker. The game was also a huge hit and taught users how to use the phone's click wheel mechanism, much like Solitaire taught users drag and drop functionality of Windows. I personally consider both brick and break words that I would never want to associate with a mobile device, but what do I know? Clearly they compartmentalized it well enough. Now Lexicon is not infallible. Still in 1998, they were hired by Borland International to change their company name. Lexicon came up with Inprize, meant to invoke integrating the enterprise. However, two years later, analysts said Borland was a stronger brand, so the company switched back to its original name. Another interesting case was in 2006, when Microsoft hired Lexicon to name its answer to the iPod. PlaySick assigned three teams to create three names. One for the Microsoft player, one for a hypothetical Sony player, and one for a broadband experience for MTV. The name they landed on was Zune, that's Z-U-N-E. Which of these three teams came up with that name is not public knowledge, and PlaySick has specifically refused to answer this question. The Zune was a failure, and how much this had to do with its name, no one will ever know. So those were just interesting cases of their branding projects that I thought warranted elaboration. Uh, today, the company is still only a handful of people, but the brand portfolio is enormous. So now I'm going to list other successful brands they have created, many of which you will no doubt recognize. 
Uh, so we have Apple's PowerBook and Quadra. Uh, Meraxi Incorporated hired them to change their name and they went with it, which was Impossible Foods. Coca-Cola hired them to create Dasani. Unilever Spreads was changed to Upfield. Bacardi's Oxley. Nestle's Dibs. Sonos. Facebook's Portal and Oculus Go. HP's Pavilion and Spectre. Adobe's InDesign. Scotiabank's ING Direct changed their name to Tangerine, the lexicon creation. Dow DuPont's Corteva AgriScience. eBay's Radial. Colgate's Optic White and Hydrus. Procter & Gamble's Swiffer and Febreze. Hilton's Embassy Suites. The Home Depot's HDX, Anvil, and SoftSpring. General Motors' OnStar. The Subaru Outback and Forester. The Nissan Rogue. Toyota Scion and Venza. Afar Travel Magazine. Jay-Z's music streaming service, Tidal. Microsoft's online gaming service, Xbox Live. Amex's Optima, Mastercard's PayPass and Cirrus, Barclays Juniper, Union Bank's Highmark, and Pfizer's Thermacare and Zithromax. And uh, Lexicon has also taken on projects to name startups. So some examples of what I consider to be good company names they have created are Braze, Lucid Motors. Miralon, Clear Motion, Adero, Flywheel, Life Size, and Tangible Science. So yeah, I personally would love to know how the financials work for this company and how much they charge to take on a project and how future royalty systems work, but uh, none of this is information that I am privy to. On Lexicon's website, they are nice enough to share some of their insight from their extensive market research. They have divided this into a few categories, all of which are interesting reads. These are the myths that stop companies from creating remarkable brand names, why compound names win in today's marketplace, CMO survey confirms the increasing challenge and critical nature of brand naming, how brand names impact consumer trust, are all good names taken? Why the executive suite must be involved in brand name development? How Lucid Motors got its name? Building an informed brand? And why do all car logos look the same? How visual identity can complement brand names? So now I'm not gonna go through all of these, but I will briefly list and discuss the first one, the myths that stop companies from creating remarkable brand names. So myth number one. It's all about semantics. Fact, according to Lexicon. Not one, but three key factors affect a name's performance. Semantics, structure, and sound symbolism. Ignoring any one of these will decrease the chances of developing a truly effective name. Myth number two. Coined names take a lot of money to build into brands. Descriptive names are cheaper and more effective. Fact according to Lexicon. In today's cluttered and competitive marketplace, coin solutions that represent original ideas and innovation are often the most effective. 
Myth number three, customers need to like my brand name. Fact according to Lexicon. The intrinsic values and expansiveness of the name, coupled with its ability to believably support the product attributes in a marketplace context, far outweigh whether or not consumers like the name. Myth number four, a brand name is an empty vessel that can be filled with meaning. Fact according to Lexicon. No name is a completely empty vessel. Any name, even one coined from scratch, has sound and structure, and these automatically provide some meaning. Myth number five. If a company has a strong corporate name like Sony or Oracle, the company doesn't need any other brands. Fact according to Lexicon. Companies miss many opportunities to create strong corporate assets when they rely on a narrow corporate brand policy. So a good example here is Sony's PlayStation or 3M's Scotch Tape or Post-it Notes. So yeah, that's just a summary of a small part of their research insights that they have chosen to publicly share. I thought to include it just to highlight some of their thinking and reasoning behind crafting a name. Hope you guys enjoyed that and I don't know, I'm, I'm blown away by how many things this company has named. I'm going to wrap it up there. Um, this has been Mark.